0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Hammer and Rails Podcast Unranked Edition. I am your host, Andrew Ledman.
1: And I'm Casey Bart.
0: Sound a lot like Eeyore there, and I'm not digging the vibe already. So. Hopefully this isn't an indication of where this podcast episode is going. Um, we are, of course, going to talk about the Purdue loss to Wisconsin. But before that, I, I wanted to talk about a couple other sports at the top. Uh, we are obviously, we're, we're big Purdue volleyball fans. But I wanted to mention that Purdue volleyball is in a bit of a skid right now. They've lost three of the last four. Um, they lost 1-3 to three to Ohio State. They beat uh, I'm sorry, number seven Ohio State. I want to make sure that's clear. Then they beat number fifteen Penn State three to two. They lost to an unranked Michigan state two to three and then just yesterday uh late night after the Purdue Wisconsin football game, they lost to number nine nebraska uh one to three so I mean that's a tough stretch of schedule um for Purdue. It does open up quite a bit. We don't face another ranked team the rest of the season. Um, but still, or wait, I don't, we, we have, we must, this schedule just doesn't have numbers on them because we play, we play Nebraska at the end of the year, but it doesn't have them ranked on here. So, uh, who knows this could be incorrect, but it looks like we might only face, (laughs) looks like we might only face, uh, one ranked opponent for the rest of the season. So, um, hopefully that'll allow, um, allow the team to regroup and get back in it. Um, they've obviously had some great wins on the season. They're still ranked very high. And um, I don't think their spot in the NCAA tournament is in jeopardy, but uh, to get as far as you want, you know, you want to get a, a high seed. So hopefully they can um, get, get their heads right, get it back on track, and um, start winning a few more games because it, it's been a really tough stretch of schedule here. The Big Ten is always just incredible in volleyball, so um, we wish them the best uh, going forward.
1: Yeah, uh, it's obviously a very talented group that brought back a lot of people. Chandel has a nice program. I imagine with volleyball, it's definitely something that you can get in a bad groove pretty quickly, and then once you start feeling like plenty of time left on the season, uh, it's gonna, you know, with teams with like this high of expectation, regular season doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah, yeah, and the
0: the crazy thing about volleyball, you know, you can lose a set twenty five to twenty three and at the end of the day people look at the score and it's suddenly it's 1 to 0 and it's like well we only lost that set by 2 but it ultimately doesn't matter you know you can win the second set 25 to 17 you you've got more points than the other team but it doesn't matter it's still 1-1 um so you you know you can vary by set and it just doesn't matter um you got to you got to win them when it counts so um i'm sure they'll turn it around this this team has too much talent on it so uh we're looking forward to their next match um and I I'm I know their next one is not on television. It's on Big Ten Network Plus. Uh, so if you are a subscriber to that service, you can watch them on Wednesday against Northwestern uh, in West Lafayette at Holloway Gymnasium.
1: Not a terrible plan, because if you do it right now, I do believe that'll carry over into the start of basketball season, and you can get the first couple games. We are so close, Ledman.
0: There you go. See? I knew I, you would find a way to squeeze <laughs> basketball in. So uh, one more thing I did want to mention, uh, the women's soccer team just today uh, took out Indiana. Uh, they won 2-0, to zero, so that means they walk away with the golden boot, which is the traveling trophy between the two schools. And, uh, you know, the soccer team is is playing great. They're 13-3-2 overall eight and two and sit at second place in the conference. So, um, and they are nationally ranked. Um, so, you know, kudos to them. They've really turned it around in recent years. I know when I, when I was at Purdue, they had a, you know, a couple good players. Um, I believe that was when Lauren uh, Sesselman, was on the team who eventually wound up playing for the Canadian national team. Um, but, you know, she didn't have a lot of, lot of folks around her, so the soccer team itself wasn't, weren't world beaters. But right now they're sitting at second in the conference. They've only uh, – they just finished. This was the end of the schedule, so they're going to finish second, and then they head to the Big Ten tournament, which starts in one week. So uh, kudos to them on a great season, and we love any time we can take down Indiana in any sport.
1: Yeah, I did a big profile on Maddie Williams a couple of years ago, who at and this that's moment right, that's right. is probably the best uh, women's college soccer player at Purdue. Sounds like we might have a couple candidates on the team now, but pretty much since Drew Roth uh, took over that program. He's skyrocketing up uh, Maddie Williams. She not only All-American led the Big Ten tournament for the first time in a long time. So it is a program on the rise and we loved. To-
0: yeah, because it's strange in soccer. Not every team in the mm-hmm. Big Ten qualifies for the Big Ten tournament. So you do have to qualify just to get there. So um, it's a good thing, obviously, that they're moving on to the Big Ten tournament and then we'll just we'll kind of follow them and see what happens from there. So, National uh, title. Yeah, obviously. That's <laughs> national title or bust. Nothing else.
1: We are a woman's sport.
0: You know, if you look at the national titles, it's hard to argue. You know, it's, well, you take out individuals because we've got all those divers on the men's side. But if you look at team team sports, I mean, it's absolutely uh, women's sports that are carrying us. So
1: I, I miss women's basketball being great. Oh, I know. I, I would happily have Oh yeah. There's not much better than an elimination.
0: I would disagree. I'm not a huge soccer fan. My favorite form of soccer is Ted Lasso soccer, where I only get about two minutes of soccer um, in 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 an episode that's you know forty so minutes long, and I get nothing but the exciting parts. That's all I need. Not
1: often do I say this, Ledman, but you disappoint me.
0: Good. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, I, I I just don't like soccer. I've never been a fan. Uh, I've watched, you know, when someone's like, no, you really need to watch. It's fine. You know, I'll watch an Olympic game every now and then with the U.S. in it or, our, you know, with the World Cup is on and the U.S. is playing. I'll watch a game. So obviously there I'm talking about women because the U.S. men's team for the World Cup is generally not in the World Cup. Um, So I'll, I'll watch if, if it's on and if somebody else wants to watch it. But it's just not for me. It's just not for me.
1: Too much running for you? Uh-huh. yes
0: that's what it is yeah i ran 15 miles but the running is too much for mm-hmm. me i can't watch it it bores me i get it yeah yeah so now unfortunately it is time to talk about that game against wisconsin but before we do before we do before we do let's get the break out of the way here and then we can go into the wallow of sadness and talk about what the heck went wrong saturday against wisconsin we'll be right back all right and we are back so as i said before the break we are going to talk about the debacle that was the purdue versus wisconsin game obviously casey and i both riding high uh on the iowa victory picked purdue over wisconsin last week which was in retrospect a terrible decision on
1: on wednesday yeah which is the day night before we recorded our podcast oh i was on i was on bucky's fifth uh Buggy's fifth quarter, or whatever. SP yeah, yeah. Nature. Wisconsin, and I had picked Wisconsin to win twenty-seven to thirteen. That's the thing about claims,
0: you see, they, they don't well, happen on your schedule. You, gonna, you know, no one listens to that podcast. They listen to this podcast because we're I, a powerhouse.
1: I, I'm, I'm just saying. I don't know what happened. I don't know if I got a brain worm or so. Just would you way dumber in Thursday? I think it was because I was talking to fans. Right. Wanted to live on that excitement. Would you say you waffled on your decision? I had I had Huddle House this morning for breakfast, which is I don't know I don't know what that is. It's pretty much like Waffle House, but a okay. little better. And I definitely was sitting there thinking, you know, a week before I would have taken this warm up. Now right, I'm not right. so you sure. Get in, you got to get in game shape. So now, now I'm not so sure. So I I think for me I, also, I I'm I'm pretty sure
0: I could kill eight waffles. In- you know, th- hold on, this is horseshit. Because when I said the exact same thing to you when we were talking about doing this, listen, listen, you said, Ledman, I think you're over, you have too much faith in what you could eat because those things will sit heavy. Something to that effect. And now you're on here saying you could eat eight in an hour. I know, but- You got to get your story straight.
1: I haven't been to Waffle House. These waffles are the exact same. And I'm just saying, I think I could hammer down a lot in the first hour. I think the next eight- Yes,
0: I think that, I think- If you have to do this, I think going in there the first hour, you got to go as hard as you can because that's when you're going to feel the best. That's when you're going to be ready to go. And if you just say, I'll just have one now and she'll bring another one and they'll bring another one, then you're in trouble. You need to just treat it as a sprint and then see where you're at in an hour.
1: I think you might be right. I, I tried the whole milk gallon in an hour. Once. Oh,
0: God, no. No.
1: I, I had four-fifths of it down in 15, and then I decided to slow my pace. From the
0: was stage. that a terrible idea? It, yeah. It a- yeah. It sounds just excruciating. I, I would never try that. Um, it wasn't great. It's just awful. No. Uh, the, I think the worst or only comparable thing I've done is a beer mile. Um, so my brothers and I did mm-hmm. a, a beer mile where you got to drink – a beer – well, and I, I don't like beer. I know. Get your yells and jeers out now. Um, So I did a uh, – I think it was Mountain Dew and vodka. Uh, we did it 12 oh. ounces, so it was the same as a beer. And we, like, we made them beforehand, put them in water bottles, and did it. And let me tell you, on about the third drink, as you're coming around the corner, you're like – this is bad. You're like I'm I'm going to throw up. So um,
1: you did that. You had to drink it
0: within the mile you were- No, so what you have to do is you have to drink the you have to like before you start, it's like the gun goes off so to speak to start the race, you have to drink okay. one of them. Then okay. you run a lap, drink another, you know, and so forth. Um every and, lap. Yes, every lap. So you have to drink you have to drink 4 of them and uh as you get to the end there, you just you don't want to be drinking anything. And you just feel like death. And of course, because my brothers and I are uh, ultra competitive against one another, we're like really booking it on the mile. So, you know, you finish uh, the second lap and you're out of breath anyway. And then you got to drink, uh, you know, for me, it was like I said, a, like a Mountain Dew and vodka, I'm pretty sure. And then my brother's over there chugging a beer. And it's just like,
1: I uh, uh, just oh, yeah, don't I've, got, do it I've got two points. First of all, the drink you should have chose water and vodka. Well, that, no, because you, you had to have the fizziness. Oh, to make it to, a bad. To make it fair, okay. yeah. That's fair. Second of all, I think one thing we can agree on, my whole meal challenge, your mild drinking challenge, neither one were as disgusting as having to watch this.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think my big thing was I should have listened to Matt Painter uh, before I made my pick. And what I mean by that huh? is – Exactly. What I mean by that is the, the oft-repeated quote from Matt Painter that, that I love – and I I put it in stories every now and then, and I put it on Twitter every now and then, and I should have remembered it and I should have listened. Uh, Painter always likes to say, you know, when you win, you're not as good as you think you are, and when you lose, you're not as bad as you think you are. So Purdue won against Iowa. Turns out they're not as good as we thought they were after that game. We should have known that. I mean, we're not idiots. We've seen them play other games. But the way they played against Iowa was they just put it all together, you know, For for four quarters. And we saw it and we said, hey, they're going to do this every time out from now on. But that was extremely unrealistic of us to think that. But we got sucked in by seeing that Iowa game. So we should have known that they weren't as good as they looked and that they would come back down to earth. And it was unfortunate that it happened against Wisconsin. Uh, A team who, you know, simply has had Purdue's number for now 15 straight games every year. Um, We haven't beat them, you know, again since 2003. So it was just horrendous. Um, Casey, what were you feeling when you were watching this game other than just pure disgust?
1: No, just just, (laughs) all I felt for most this weekend. I, it oftentimes rooting for a team feels like you're in a and i think most of us has been in a relationship. you're with someone you you know you shouldn't but there are these moment high you've had these perfect days or perfect and that's what this is starting to feel like the problem is every other day is a fucking nightmare (laughs) and i'm i'm tired of the nightmare this was awful there was nothing about this game that was in any way like logical or well put together or from the mind of anyone that had any idea what they were doing. Our our defense was great. We gave up thirty points, and our defense was great. Our defense I, mean, I, I don't know about
0: great. For, you know, they looked they looked good and at times. But as far as, you know, giving up 290 rushing yards, I'm not sure how great that is.
1: We turned the ball over five times, Ledman.
0: I know that. I know that. But we allowed uh, a guy to carry the ball 12 times and end up with 140 yards.
1: And we would have won if, like, we had anything decent on offense.
0: I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, because this offense, even when they've been good, you know, they, they only put up 40 I'm granted, I know the Connecticut game is an aberration and we only played our players for about a half. We put up 49 against UConn and that was against a bunch of stiffs. Do you really think we were going to put up, you know, more than 30 against Wisconsin?
1: No, I don't think Wisconsin would have put up 30 points if we had a competent offense.
0: So your your argument then is basically, if we don't turn the ball over five times... They don't score 30. Two, well, hold on. Three interceptions, two fumbles. Ultimately, they, the often, their offense has fewer opportunities, and therefore they have fewer points.
1: Yes. Wisconsin only had to throw the ball eight times. Yeah. Graham Mertz has eight passes. That's not because our defense played terrible. That's because our offense never threatened them once.
0: Yeah, he... Ha- Wisconsin had 52 passing yards the whole game, and they won handily. Aiden I, O'Connell had a
1: higher QB rating than Graham Mertz. Yeah, and he threw three interceptions. Three? I, I, I don't know. I, look, would we have won based off just our defense alone? I don't know, but you can't turn over the ball five times, and you can't continue to do the same thing over and over again. He had no clue. The way that he knew how to attack Iowa's defense. When you defense, say he, who are you talking about? I know about? who I'm talking about, No, oh, Okay, I just wanted to be Braum clear. we had a game plan against Iowa, OOC. and I don't know what the hell he had on his mind against Wisconsin. You can't yank a kid for not running the offense halfway into a season and then keep a guy on who had full three turnovers on awful passes. Yeah, and... Double, triple, quadruple coverage late, thrown in places that you don't throw late. Yeah, and that that's the thing. They weren't
0: like it wasn't like the passes were tipped, and they you know they go up in the air, and a defender can get under them. Because sometimes quarterbacks do get screwed on statistics like that because not every interception is a quarterback's fault. Um, sometimes you know circumstances just come in, and the you know the defender gets a gets a ball that they really shouldn't. Your receiver has it bounce off their hands. You know we've seen that with with someone like Payne Durham. Um, in Payne Durham, it looked like. Uh, O'Connell was going to have a fourth interception, but then it turned into a fumble by Durham because basically he got the ball just kind of ripped out of his hands. Um, but it, I just – I don't know what Braum is doing with the quarterback position. He's been here now for five years, and he's not put together or you know coached up a quarterback that he can believe in, and he's not had a quarterback who – He's just left out there to make his mistakes, to learn, to grow, to become a better football player. Um, You know, he – like you said, he yanked Plummer in the middle of the season because of reasons. I mean he took him out of the Notre Dame game because he took some hits, Um, but yet he wouldn't take out O'Connell who had thrown three interceptions. I don't fully understand what he's doing with the quarterback position, um, but whatever it is, it's not working, and this offense – only mustered seven points because six of Purdue's points were from, uh, George Karloftis and, uh, Jamal Brown, Jamal Brown caused the fumble and, uh, and then George Karloftis ran it all the way back for a touchdown with Jamal Brown, leading him, uh, with some great blocking, uh, Purdue then missed the subsequent extra point. But so, I mean, this again is another, another, episode of the purdue offense letting down the defense um scoring just seven points
1: can i ask you a question ledman
0: i'm that's what i'm here for
1: who did coach brahm and the football staff decide was their best quarterback at the start of the uh
0: that would be jack Plummer. one would assume because they named him the starter and they named him the starter i believe about a week and a half before the season started. So it wasn't even like the cloak and dagger stuff he's done in recent years where he's like, well, we'll, we'll see who starts on game day.
1: F- follow up. Yes. So when he was in there, they ran a triple option offense, <laughs> like army, correct? <laughs> Purely running no. a quarterback.
0: No, they oh. did not. They ran a, you know, a typical Purdue offense where the majority of it was passing, oh. uh, with, with some play action and peppered in some run here and there.
1: Strange. So two years ago, when Jack Plummer was also deemed the best quarterback start, they were running a triple option then?
0: Uh, No, that is not correct okay. either.
1: Um, Three years ago, when Eli Sindelar got hurt and Jack Plummer took over, they moved into a purely speed option offense? I'm,
0: I'm just going to stop you, and I'm going to just let you know that, uh, to my knowledge, uh, Purdue has never... Focused exclusively Uh-oh. on any sort of, of option offense.
1: Oh, that's curious because Jack Plummer only ran the speed option for the first three quarters. Yeah, it made no sense. It, none at all. You were literally taking what is his opposed threat in this situation is that he can run and pass and making him purely one-dimensional.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was, there was no surprise for the Wisconsin defense when Jack Plummer came into the game. You knew he was going to run that option and... And I mentioned this before we started recording, but it's worth repeating here. Um, I don't know how long they've, they've been practicing this Jack Plummer runs the option sort of thing. Um, but the option isn't technically, I guess, a complicated offense. I mean, there are, of course, intricacies to it, and you can make it more complicated. But ultimately, if you're the quarterback and you're only doing a run option, you know, it's you either you run or if someone's going to hit you, you pitch the ball. And, and it, you know, it sounds easy the way I say it, but you have to be able to see what's in front of you, and you have to be able to make that pitch, and you have to be able to make it every time. Um, Plummer didn't really, if I'm recalling, he did not make any mistakes or any bad pitches, but to truly execute a good option offense, you really need to be crisp, you really need to know what you're doing, and I really don't think they had enough time to really truly institute a whole new type of offense in maybe two or three weeks if you assume that they were doing it uh, on the bye week to prepare for Iowa.
1: Do you know what else you have to be? You have to be a really good running quarterback. Plummer is a good athlete, which is what's exciting about him being a quarterback that can throw, but he's not a lightning blur Lamar Jackson. No, he's not. not terrifying when he's running an option he can't get to the second level he maxes out as a five to seven yard runner when he's going around the edge because he doesn't have blazing speed so the upside to a play of him with the read option with an offensive line that can't create running room anyway in a running back that's not going to bust open big th- is so limited and it's a pretty high-risk play because you're asking—I mean, we saw a fumble on an option because you have two guys that at the same time both have to be ready for the ball. Right, right. And it just makes no theoretical sense. It no, makes no practical because the one thing that he should be is a dual threat on the field, but the way that he's been implemented— Makes him anything but because apparently Brown thinks he's unable to run an offense or pass anymore, even though he did it for the first three and a half games. Of-
0: yeah, uh, there's a lot of folks on Twitter who want to say that the reason that Plummer is not in the game and the reason that AOC was put in and has, has gone forward as a starting quarterback is that AOC has a stronger arm and that he will take the shots downfield and so on and so forth. And my counterpoint to that and my counterargument is that Plummer can do that. Plummer, you know, makes plenty of deep throws. He simply just doesn't do it all the time. And he doesn't throw the ball 95 miles an hour out of his arm uh, like like AOC does for like a six yard out.
1: Yeah. AOC um, throws harder. Plummer has a bigger arm. I,
0: I don't know. I mean, I can't say that for sure. I'd have to go back and pay way more attention. Um I, I think they both have capable arms. I don't think it's like it's not as if um, you know Plummer is is some caretaker quarterback no. who can't throw the ball. Yeah, and and that's the way that's the way so many folks online make it sound when they argue for AOC. It's as if Plummer just simply can't throw the ball and is only back there because of uh, I guess his athleticism over AOC. But um, it, either way, both of them can throw the football, and and that should be obvious to anyone.
1: And another, I mean, if you want to get nuanced into it, what Wisconsin was doing was just dropping everyone back and just making it where if you're going to throw deep, you're throwing deep into three guys. Well, we yeah, saw I saw mean, how wh- that worked. You know what you want when you have that? You want a guy who can get away from the rush and take what's given, which is exactly how Jack Plummer has played, which is exactly how you want to play when you have a pretty good defense and you have some guys out there that can make plays on their own yep. in a game like this.
0: Yeah, um, you know... <sighs> against a, a defense like Wisconsin, we should have known there wouldn't be, you know, drastic home run plays and um you know one-play drives, two-play drives because Wisconsin is is stout kind of all around um on the defense. Especially Chanel, my god, that guy was everywhere against mm-hmm. Purdue. Um I mean, he was absolutely crushing us. So kudos to him. That guy's uh going to make some money pretty soon on Sunday. Um but, you know, <laughs> we we have to understand that Wisconsin is a good defense and apparently they have a smarter defensive coordinator than Iowa um because they understood <laughs> apparently because they understood that they needed to focus on taking David Bell out of the game um David Bell of course you know he got his catches um but they weren't impactful uh, they weren't long. His longest was only ten yards. He got six touches for thirty-three yards, and you have got to be thrilled with that if you're the Wisconsin defensive coordinator and if you're the Wisconsin um, defensive uh, backfield, because when you can shut down the best player on the opponent for only thirty-three yards, you have to feel pretty good that you're going to win that ball game.
1: We knew this was going to be a a game where points are very valuable it was two really good defenses how did we start off the game did we drive into territory to score again just to take a sack on third down
0: we did yeah we were in field goal range and then i believe o'connell took a 10 yard sack uh, from about the 30 to the 40 uh, somewhere close to that and then ultimately purdue had to punt the ball away
1: which i think is the third time that's happened this year already that seems seems right. You don't get the benefit of the doubt of being the smart quarterback, the 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 makes good decisions quarterback if you continuously take points off the board. You have to know that you can't move around, which he he usually looks like he's not very mobile, but he looked absolutely stuck in mud Saturday. And you can't do that without you know they're blitzing. You have two third downs very quickly decided this game in my mind and soured it really quick. On that end we were in scoring range. And again, AOC takes On the other end, it's 3rd and 15.
0: Oh, that 3rd and 15 just killed us. And Wisconsin,
1: just a a tight end screen, backed up in their own territory. And we weren't ready for it. And we gave up the first down on 3rd and 15. And that ended up in, I believe, points for Wisconsin. Ed, you just can't do that. Yeah. You, You... you they threw eight passes one of them was a tight end screen for 15 of the 52 yards
0: well it was even more than the fifth. it was even more than 15 yards i think i mean it, yeah, was, it thir- was like 15. 18
1: or yeah yeah it, it, those two things right away it was just that was it you can't Make those kind of errors against a team you haven't beaten in 20 years. Yeah. So it must have been
0: to Jake Ferguson, and it must have been 17 yards because 17 yards was the longest uh, reception of the game for Wisconsin. A tight Um, end screen
1: on third and and 15.
0: And obviously they needed 15 for the first, so uh, that had to have been what it was, 17 yards. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Wisconsin has had Purdue's number since 2003 and it doesn't matter who is the coach for Purdue, who is the quarterback for Purdue. Um, Wisconsin always comes out. They've got their bowling ball of a running back. This year they had two who each went over 100 yards against Purdue, uh, over 140 actually. Um, and Purdue, they they just can't stop them. Um, we knew exactly what Wisconsin was going to do on offense. We knew they were going to throw the ball in exceedingly rare circumstances. We knew they were going to try to run the ball down Purdue's throat and basically dare us to stop them, and Purdue simply couldn't do it. Now, we talked about the fact that, you know, Purdue had five turnovers, and that is obviously terrible. And when your offense has been averaging 13-13 Um, you know, 13 points in three of the last four games and then can only muster seven against against this Wisconsin defense, you can't be giving the other team extra possessions and just ending yours with, you know, arm punts. So I, I just, it's a very disheartening game because it looked like, you know, maybe they'd finally found something in that game against Iowa and then they just, they just lost it all against Wisconsin and... I think a lot of the fan base was very excited um, about what this team could be, and were maybe trying to find a way to believe in Brahm and believe in the team, and that's why this game against Wisconsin was so important because perception amongst the fan base sells tickets, it it sells merchandise, and it helps build it helps build a program because it builds buzz. And Purdue had been ranked for the first time, you know, in a number of years, and now. You know, the rankings came out today at two. No surprise, Purdue's not among them. And why should we be? Yeah, Um, I
1: mean, you you said that very well. I I think that's exactly it. And all Purdue fan base is a really weird sanctum of people. Most fan bases are annoying. I use fan base and, for instance, is annoying in the way that they, you know, they write, uh, you know, letters to the editor about how they're going to go 28. Yes. If that happens, I'll go to Waffle House for 48 hours. Purdue fans are annoyingly loyal and anti-talking against things that, like, there is a lot of pushback about, oh, you think someone better than Brahm is out there? Yes! No, no. There have only been two so so here's the thing w- which game means more to you this wisconsin game in your mind of what our program is or the iowa game like- i'd say the iowa game really
0: yeah because it was more of a national stage more people will see it more people will hear of it
1: i don't i don't yes. mean that way what is more what is more representative of you like do you believe more in the iowa game
0: oh oh god probably wisconsin
1: because we've seen more wisconsin games than we have yeah. iowa games with brom which yeah. is the whole problem. And there are still people out there like, no, we can't do better than Brom. We can't do better than 6 and 6.
0: So, here here's my counter argument. I don't think Brom should go. I'm I think Brom should stay um because well, there's a number of reasons, but one is Brom did inherit an absolute abysmal football program from Daryl Hazel. You can't discount that
1: was, that was his best
0: Well, he turned it around. I don't know you know, he. I don't remember which players were all Hazel and which players he got in at the last minute. It's all a you know a nightmare of terrible games that have have come in between it. I can't recall. But my point is, the the program had terrible depth. It was in no position to no really. They had no business going to a bowl game that year, and somehow Brom took him there. So he's shown that he can do something.
1: Is now, six and six that big of a mark? No but it's that big of a is mark from impressive? where
0: it's that big of a mark from where they were. And you have to look at it that way. You can't just say, oh, six and six is the best we're ever going to do because I don't think anyone believes that. Um, but you have to ask the question of when you make a change, is there a plan for where it's going to go? Purdue has made a lot of changes in recent years. Um, you know, Joe Tiller came along, he revitalized the Purdue football program, take it, took it to places. It had only been one time prior Uh, the Rose Bowl. After that, you know, the after the 2000 uh, Rose Bowl, there were still a few good years, you know, 2002, 2003, 2004. Those were great years as well. Um, Then it all really started to fall down. Um, Once hope came in, there was a little belief that maybe, you know, his His energy could revitalize the program and take it back to where it needed to be. That did not happen. Then Hazel was a complete change of pace. Uh, He was supposedly a great football mind. We had a search committee full of supposed great football minds who helped us hire him. And he was clearly a terrible mistake and further brought down the program. Now, Jeff Brom is making a boatload of money. If Jeff Brom was not making this much money, I don't think people would be calling for him to go at this point. I think... With the expectations, with the money come the expectations, and Jeff Brom does need to do better. I'm not arguing that he doesn't, but if you come out at the end of the season and fire Jeff Brom, where do you go? Where do you go? I mean, there may be someone that's better out there. Uh, you know, there probably is. I'm not naive enough to say that Jeff Brom's the best coach in, in college football, but. Is he the best coach you can bring into Purdue right now when you've already had so many coaches in the you know the last decade and a half? Is anybody going to want to come to Purdue? Who, who can you get to come to Purdue and believe that they can turn the program around? If you make a bad hire, you could set the program back another decade. It's year five. Yeah, and wait, hey, it, it's year five, and I get that, but that is not that long. That means five years. Hold on. Listen,
1: listen, what really good coach has not turned their program entirely around in five years when when you are in college football, when you start at a program,
0: you recruit your guys in year one, they come in, your guys aren't even senior. They're they're redshirt seniors in your fifth year. So at just this point, listen, so if I come in, no, listen. Because if I if I come in and I start my first I get my first recruiting class my first recruiting class not the guys who were there before if I get to year five that means the first players that I've recruited are probably just now like red they're redshirt seniors you're not because recruiting that's their for redshirt the- redshirt no, no.
1: players are not turning your program a, a, no we're talking about college not. football we're
0: talking about college football where the vast a vast majority of players do redshirt.
1: No, you can't be talent-deprived and counting on redshirts. It's one or the other.
0: I think you're really underestimating the number of players in college football who redshirt Simply because it's such a hard transition from college or from high school to college, especially at a number of positions, or if you're being switched positions, which a lot of players get switched when they go into college, unless you're a you know a high level recruit, which Purdue's not getting very many high level blue chip recruits, regardless of who the coach is.
1: I mean, the whole point of bringing him on. Was... Yeah, it, it's I year have... five. I, I I'm sorry, but you get. Five years at a program and the best you are going to do is six and six. That's not good enough.
0: Uh, Technically, he was seven and six because we won a bowl game. Eh, I mean, technically.
1: That's the best we've done.
0: Yeah, but, you know, what was the team the year before with that coach? What were they, two and ten?
1: That's fine, but, like, we haven't got back to there yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not arguing that everything is sunshine and rainbows. I- I'm just saying that if Purdue is going to make a coaching change, they need to have a plan for what they're doing rather than kind of just, we will fire him and we'll figure it out on the way down. Um, You know, they have to have some semblance of a plan or some amount of money that they know they can spend some, maybe a young coordinator who's going to come in and, and make his bones at Purdue. I don't know but they would have to have a plan because just changing coaches every five years really can set your program back. You really have to, you have to have patience uh, to some degree and not just throw everything away every four to five years. That all
1: sounds great. Thank you. That's easy to say. All of that is just platitudes and cliche. What about Brahms tenure makes you feel good going for the next fight?
0: I mean, I think he's shown the ability to Recruit certain positions and to find enough skill players that he can make a difference. I mean, he had Rondale Moore, he's got David Bell, um, George Karloftis. These, these are, and yes, I realize that's only three names, but those are guys who can come in who can make a difference on day one and can help you in recruiting and help you build and get new people. Um, Purdue's got two, Purdue has a four star quarterback. Um, on the roster right now, who is redshirting? They've got another four star quarterback uh, coming in the next year. I don't know. You know, I'm not a recruiting guy. I don't know if either of those guys is going to come in and really turn this this program around. But the fact is, um, you, you've got to give him a chance. And I know you'll you'll say we've given him a chance with five years. But turning a program around is hard. It's hard work. Not everybody's going to come in like Joe Tiller. Um, and throw a completely crazy offense out there and really shock the country. And I just think we've we've invested a lot in Jeff Brom, and now we need to see if it can pay off.
1: Has has a single quarterback improved under Jeff Brom?
0: I'd rather not answer that question.
1: Yeah, Aiden O'Connell's probably improved. I'll tell you that.
0: After last week, you think he's improved over his first season with us? Well, I mean, he was a walk on, so I'd, I'd have. He to was think...
1: really good his first season with us as a walk on.
0: Yeah, but was he? I don't remember his turnover ratio. Uh, not like this. Yeah, it's not been great. Hey, look, look, you're making it sound like I'm arguing he's the second coming of Joe Tiller. I'm not. All I'm saying is, just just like you were saying, it's very easy for me to talk about, you know, give him time and it's all platitudes. But it's very easy to sit here and say we need to fire the guy. You know, it's very easy to just call for heads and not have a plan. So you're assuming your I don't world, have a plan. Yeah, well, You're assuming
1: I, you, that firing him me means finish. there's no plan.
0: Let me finish. In your world, assuming that the season goes terribly from here on out, you fire him. What are you doing? I'm giving Mark Hagen the key. See, you only said that because I suggested it in the
1: group chat. No, I said give the defense. What are you talking about? I just couldn't remember his first name.
0: <laughs> no, you couldn't remember his last name. I know. Whatever. I know.
1: No, I, I think every player that's been at Purdue that played underneath him has loved him. I think our defense has made amazing strides this year. I'm going to say, give it to him. He's a Purdue guy. He knows Purdue. We are a weird place to be a coach at. We are a weird place to have success at. And he understands that. And he's made our defense better. And Brown hasn't made our offense any better.
0: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, we it's a hard to argue that. quarterback
1: university that our quarterbacks are talented and not getting any better from the day they step on field, the day they step off.
0: Look, I, I don't think that's a terrible plan. I'll grant you. Um, You are right that everybody who seems to have played under Hagen or who's been recruited by Hagen, seems to love the guy. Um, I am unsure of why he's not had a head coaching gig. He's always been a, a coordinator and a position coach here or there. Um, maybe it's just not something he wants. Maybe it's just one of those things where he's like an old guy now at this point in the in the coaching you know uh, terms. So maybe he's just not looked at in that way. But, I mean, he, he is certainly a guy that Purdue could do a lot worse than. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure why um, he's never really been given that opportunity.
1: I don't either. Uh, I've just, I let one week of deliriously happy the Iowa game. We've had two really good wins in the last three years, and that is carrying every inch of weight for this program under Braum. That and a six and six bowl campaign. Yeah, I mean, look,
0: I just think that every time you make a change, there's an inherent risk involved because you can make the yeah, wrong hire. The
1: risk is you might pay. a crap ton of money for someone named coach brown.
0: Yeah, and there is always that opportunity uh, uh, possibility as well, but I I don't think I want to see how this season plays out before I make any judgment on what we should do with the coaching position. Right now, I am inclined to give him more time. Uh one reason uh, again, that we've talked about in the past is the number of retirements to the offensive line that we saw in the off season. I think if we didn't see that, I think the offense would look a lot better. Um, I think there were, were there three or maybe even four guys that were expected to contribute and then suddenly they're gone. And we are not in Alabama where we can just sustain losses like that to one position group. And I think according if to those Twitter, guys, we've
1: known about that since June.
0: Right. Um, but I think, I think those losses hit heavy, and I would like to see what can happen. You know, when I want to see what happens in the off season with the transfer portal and what Brom can bring in. Uh, I want him to be able to sell Purdue, and I think you know, with some of the stars that we have on this team like Karloftis and Bell, uh, and last year Rondale Moore, I think we can kind of have a little bit more to sell, and I think we can bring in some guys to fill in some gaps uh, for next season. That that's my hope.
1: I don't trust him in-game, and so you, I, I, I think that just that lowers your ceiling of what you can be. Yeah. I think he can get up for a game. He said something about he was tired? Yeah, he said he was, like, mentally
0: exhausted. From
1: I, one game after a I, bye
0: week? I don't have the exact
1: quote in Who front Who is of me, this guy?
0: Yeah, he said it It was, like, it took a lot out of him from the Iowa game. What does that mean? Um, yeah, that's, that's not a good look for sure. Um, what?
1: what? He's not so, up. To being a coach then. Yeah.
0: I mean, you got to be able to do it, you know, 12 times a season, my guy.
1: That, that is just – could you imagine that? No. That's your job. Yeah. He's yeah, not can. out there on the field.
0: If, if I if I only have to, like, do, like, submitted work 12 times a year and yeah. I go into my boss and I'm like, I just didn't – I couldn't do it today. I'm drained. Yeah. i drained. Like, but, like, you had a week to prepare for this. Yeah, I, just, I couldn't do it today. Uh, it's not good. Yeah, it does no, not – You
1: signed up for this job. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're, I can't imagine, like, <laughs> i played a lot of Madden games. Could you imagine if that took energy out of me? <laughs> Selecting a halfback screen on second and seven?
0: I mean, I think it might be a little different when it's real. Uh, But that's just me. Maybe we'll have to ask Kyle.
1: I just, that's just.
0: Yeah, it was, that was not a good look. Not a good look, for sure. Um, But, I mean, I think we've really gone on a little bit too long here about this.
1: But yeah, needless to say. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, needless to say, we we were not happy with the Wisconsin game. We obviously wished it could have gone differently, but it's just it seems to happen every every time Purdue beats a a big name opponent, we have a letdown game the next week. Um, Purdue travels, I think travels to uh, Nebraska next. We're a seven point underdog. Uh, just came out today, so I mean that that seems about right. That seems fair. Uh, we just have to we just have to hope that we can put together a competent offensive game plan against the Huskers and and kind of get this train back on the track. So I, I don't have anything else about this uh, abomination of a game. Uh, do you, Casey? Nope. Okay. Well, I take that back. I have one more thing. I'm tired. So, I know. I'm tired. Well, I'm exhausted. I, I had to do this last week against Iowa. So, <laughs> um, you know, there's, a, there's apparently an expression over in the U.K., which I learned of via Ted Lasso, uh, it's the hope that kills you. And yeah. I, I have to say this game was so much worse to watch because I had hope because that Iowa game made me believe in Brahm, made me believe in this team again. And so I was watching it with expectations. I was watching it, hoping that they could do better. And when they didn't, it just makes it that much harder. You know, when, when things were very down under Daryl Hazel at Purdue, the games were terrible to watch. And I watched each and every one of them, but they didn't really hurt as much because I knew we were terrible. Um, but as soon as Brom gave me hope, you know, that Wisconsin game, it just made it that much worse.
1: Yeah, it's um, just – he took that big believe sign, ripped it off the wall, ripped
0: it. Oh, don't make me cry. All right. <laughs> well, that's it for us. Uh, we'll try to be less depressing uh, middle of the week when we talk about the Nebraska game. Hopefully we can uh, – Maybe one of us will pick Purdue and one of us will pick Nebraska. I'm
1: gonna pick but Purdue we'll... just because I hate Nebraska. No, well, see, you can't. You're ruining our content.
0: You can't just throw that out now.
1: Nah. Just, All just, right. If you hate the Cornhuskers, turn in as
0: as we do. Turn Maybe. in on Thursday. All right. Well, for Casey and myself, thanks for listening. Let us know in the comments or on Twitter uh, if you what you think about the head coaching position at uh, Purdue oh. and where we should go. Tag Ledman on that. Not me. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. So. uh thanks for listening. Uh, we'll chat with you in the middle of next week. Boiler up.